Okay, let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm vegan, so. Oh yeah, we're doing fine because we laid people off. Wait, we discussed this. Success, successful person. That's super nuts. All right, everybody, we wanted to welcome you to episode four of the Bikita EHNS podcast, uh, you know, to cover a few things that we talked about on the, on the last one, we had discussed the chemical plant explosion in Bell, West Virginia, which is just outside at Charleston, where one employee was killed and two more were injured. Uh, an update on that, the CSB, the Chemical Safety Board, has been deployed has deployed a team to investigate the event that occurred at approximately 10 p.m. Uh, at the Optima Chemical Facility in Bell. Uh, according to information uh, reported to the CSB, a pressure vessel overpressurized, creating the fire, and the shelter-in-place order uh, was put within a two-mile radius. The other article discussed was the massive explosion in Beirut that killed 220 people and injured another 500 or 5,000. We had discussed the investigation uh, and an update to that as the jury, the judge suspended the inquiry, charged minister, state constitution grants them immunity from such charges. Uh, and that was on NPR. And the third article we had discussed was the challenge to the waters of the US by Colorado State uh, and how current interpretations limit the scope and time available to states to assess potential impacts to bodies of water. On this episode, we'll be discussing uh, how the coronavirus continues to disrupt the waste and recycling services in the US and prevention measures uh, for COVID uh, means wearing a mask while social distancing. Preventing COVID means wearing masks while social distancing. So there's a, a study put out by the U.S. News on that. Two articles instead of three. Trying to keep this to a 30-minute episode. Cool. Um, I'll start us off with the OSHA COVID-19 tips of the day for this week. On 1221, we have know who to test and what actions to take based on test results. Basically... That means what the, what's the plan when you have someone who tests positive? Like, are you going to do contact tracing? Um, are you going to ask people to quarantine? You know, it, it, and, and sometimes there isn't, there's no set rule, right? There's no national plan. There's every state has its own plan. And so depending on where you live, you need to make sure that you're following whatever rules of the jurisdiction that you live in. Um, but the bottom line is, have a plan, right? Don't try to figure it out after someone tests positive. On the 22nd, we have maintain at least three to four feet of clearance around the top and sides of portable generators. Another portable generator tip, woo! Yeah, so what, like, what are they going for there? I feel like they got winter safety and COVID <laughs> safety tips mixed up. Um, it's a good tip. I mean, a portable gen a generator is something with a flammable liquid in it that is generating heat 
It also generates exhaust. You want to make sure there's clearance like you would around any other hazardous materials container, um, combustion unit. Um, good idea, but I'm not sure how that prevents COVID. So, it just so happens to be going on right now. It's the winter time. On the 23rd, we have face coverings are not a suitable, are not a substitute for social distancing. I think that one's pretty obvious. Maybe not to everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And that's, that's very relevant to article number two. Right. But I mean, so, so it, it, depending on the face mask you're wearing, you could be spewing particles through your mask, right? Um, it depends how long you, I mean, there's lots of things that depend on if you're having a conversation with somebody who's infected and you're both covered up, the likelihood of infection is less, except that if you sit there and talk within a foot of each other for like an hour, the risk is higher. Let's say it's a five minute conversation. The risk is lower. So it, like it, it all depends. But the best idea is to make sure you just keep some distance and, and cover your mouth up so that the likelihood that the particles go from one person to the other is just extremely less, much more less. On Christmas Eve, we have cleaning tools shared by meat packers and processors. Clean tools shared by meat packers and processors. That also makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they're working long hours, multiple shifts, close proximity to each other. I mean, on the, was it the first or second episode, we talked about, you know, how many of the meat processors in the U.S. were fined for like COVID um, violations, not necessarily violations, but putting, you know, their workers in harm because they didn't have precautions like put in place to keep them from getting sick. So, um, I mean, that... we see the Go ahead, sir. Uh, it's the same thing with like equipment that's being used routinely by multiple, like forklifts, for example, you know, getting in and out of forklifts, making sure bathrooms are clean, like commonplaces, things that, you know, are handled and used frequently by many different people. So, you know, I think that's a good suggestion. And the meat packing industry, meat processing industry was hit hard at the beginning. Like, and yeah, I'm vegan, so it doesn't bother me if like meat packing plants shut down, but they were shutting down, which was like significantly impacting the uh, supply chain for, for um, food for people. So um, I think OSHA put a big, uh, like a hardcore press on, on making sure that the, the meat industry was, um, was taken care of. So yeah, I think they got a lot of tips related to the meat, meat processing industry, just because I think the work environment within those, those uh, factories is, is not conducive to maintaining social distance. Like people working long hours right next to each other. And at the beginning, they weren't, um, they weren't protecting each other. And I mean, and it came out one, one, I forget the comp name of the company, but one of the companies got in trouble because the management was started a pool, like a, a betting pool on how many people would get COVID because they basically were like, 
there's no way we can stop this. So they just started betting on how many people will get it. And people were dying. You know, it's not, it's not funny, right? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. They yeah, probably I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's a pretty ridiculous thing to be, you know, having an office full on that. The last one that we have for Friday is avoid gathering with colleagues during breaks onshore and offshore. Not sure where the onshore offshore thing comes from, but not either. You know, it's a, it's a Texas thing, Bart. Right? You got the oil and gas wells. Uh, yeah, offshore oil. <laughs> I'm so people. You know, I've heard from folks like they they would go to a restaurant eat and like you know of course you take your mask off to eat, and they're like, and we would talk about it and I'd be like, well you know it's not safe and they're like, well you're allowed to do it. And it's almost like they say that almost, it, it almost seems to me like they think they're protected because there's a rule that says you're allowed to do it. So if the rule says, I can go to the restaurant and eat, so it must be okay, that it wouldn't surprise me if there was some kind of rule like, oh, I work on a, an oil rig. I mean, it's windier. Must be okay. I mean, I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it is a little safer if the wind is blowing. But, yeah, just um, like the cruise ships, perfectly safe. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Maybe like cruise ships. No, well, you know, like what, so people go to work, they have their guard up all day long, they're wearing their masks and they're being good. And then they go on break and they take their masks off. And it's like they let their guard down for like 15 minutes or 30 minutes, however long their break is. And um, that's when they have exposure. And that's when people get it. I, I know, I know people um, close to me that know other people that that's, they're at work and they're doing, that's exactly what happened. And they got sick and like, and then they were like, Oh, watch out. Um, so-and-so got sick last week. And like, who else got sick? Oh, the person they ate lunch with, not the person they sat next to or had a meeting with cause they were masked during that time. It's who they sat down and had lunch with and took their mask off. Actually, yeah, I think you're right. A, a lot of people let their guard down during lunch, just in general, you know, they like they're on break. They don't have to worry about work. I remember when I was doing IH sampling and I, you know, would assign people their badges or dosimeters. Um, and people would take it off during lunch and like never put it back on or they'll put it back on and it would be closed or something like that. You know, they totally disregard everything that you told them at the beginning of the day. And then you don't have data for the eight, the whole eight hours. So it's just disregarding stuff in general, but yeah, this is pretty important. I thought those were good tips, minus the generator one. I mean, good Holiday. COVID tips. Yeah. Let's go ahead and talk about the first article. So this article was from Waste Dive, um, and coronavirus continues to disrupt waste and recycling service around the U.S. So. I mean, we know that COVID has affected many companies and industries. Um, this one's not any different. There are fewer employees uh, to handle the routine tasks. So some have gotten sick or been exposed to someone and have had to go into quarantine. And uh, I mean, it does affect the public health because, you know, waste and recycling is an important part. You know, we're cleaning up the, uh, the streets and all the waste. Um, 
and it's just they've tried to continue their operations during this time and I mean there have been some companies that their it appears that their revenue has decreased overall uh, this year uh, but a couple have stayed even or even increased their revenue uh, by you know offsetting by saving on overtime fuel and other operating expenses salary reduction and furloughs and stuff like that um, and it appears that some small businesses in the industry received uh, some funds from the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, they sent out 583 million in PPP loans, which preserves 67,000 jobs. So that's good. Um, I'm not sure. So if that's from the US Small Business Administration, that doesn't cover large companies such as like waste management, right? Or would it? Would they receive those funds? Uh, that no, it's not. It's not clear. Yeah, me. I mean, I think there's a cutoff. I believe I don't. I don't know exactly what that is, though. Um, I don't know. I don't know how the the breakdown of who gets what kind of support. I mean, I I think. Um, Waste management is certainly not a small company. They're one of the biggest waste companies in probably the world. Mm -hmm. And um, and just to, using them as an example, you know, I so I know that waste collection services just generally have changed because they are that that is where you have um, public contacting materials that somebody else is going to then go pick up, right? So they're afraid that there might be some sort of exposure there. And so they are either stopping those services to because they don't know what to do about it, um, or they're changing how they operate, um, which is, and, and it's not just like the recycling of it. It's like, um, it's not like, like household recycling. It's also like uh, the redemption services where people bring stuff in for money. Right. Yeah. Um, some of those have been cut off completely. And then there are some that are open, but, um, it, it depends on the state. Um, policies vary from state to state suspending the container redemption and curbside recycling. Um, yeah. And some of these, you know, some of these companies that might not just be recycling that they're handling, they, they may be handling like the, the waste coming from the facility, right? So, you know, if you look at a hospital, for example, you know, all the, the, the waste coming from the hospital that could be COVID contaminated or potentially COVID contaminated. And you have the, the, the workers who are, you know, out there handling that material coming out of the hospitals. Like there's, I would say a higher potential for, you know, infection for getting an illness. Yeah, that's what they were saying in the article too. So they're not considered, uh, so sanitation workers, they're trying to argue that they are essential workers because they are on the front lines in regards to the waste and recycling. Um, the uh, Solid Waste Association of America, they were supposed to have submitted a follow-up letter asking the CDC to include sanitation workers as essential workers so that they can receive um, the COVID vaccine. 
uh, they were supposed to send that on December 21st. So uh, I also follow up on that. And then the National Waste and Recycling Association, they are tracking state plans for distributing the vaccine also. Um, who is it? John, I don't know how to say his last name. Scutellis, um, the National Director of Government Affairs for Waste Management. He pushed for waste and recycling workers to be recognized as essential to receive the vaccine also. Um, so. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it's a fair argument. Like these people are needed. To, they We need them to work, right? We can't have waste piling up everywhere. And and there's evidence of, of positive infections within the, the workforce of the waste waste management folks. Um, I, I like I was just reading like the, the LA Sanitation Environmental uh, Department has more than 100 positive cases among staff uh, over this, this long period of COVID time, seemingly really long period of COVID time, endless. Yeah, only wait. five out of 17 of their recycling facilities um, have been fully operational too. I mean, you're getting people that are getting sick and then those who are exposed, so there's less workers in that aspect. And then what they're also doing, so like I said, each state has some difference in the issues that are going on. Like in Tennessee, they have um, extensive absences from illnesses or quarantine. And then they're also doing longer shifts and commingling recycling with waste. So I don't know who's gonna take care of that in the future. I mean, separating recycling from waste is already kind of a nuisance. But I guess in order to cut costs, they are gathering them together temporarily until they can get more workers to, you know, pick them up separately. Yeah, I uh, someone I was speaking to recently who's within the waste industry was was talking about something similar to that, but not on the government, like municipal side, more on the private side, and was talking about how you have clients. So all the different companies that produce hazardous waste and other types of waste that need service, you know, they expect, they expect service still, but here you are as a service provider and you have the same problem. Like, how am I going to provide service when I got like 20% of my people out either because they're positive or because they're quarantining? Um, and it's a daily struggle. So, you know, I think, you know, if, it's just another another challenge in the in the life of the environmental industry. Um, the same similar challenge that lots of people are facing. So, yeah, I, it, one thing I've noticed is that there's been a lot of flexibility exercised around people that have like needs, or even when there's like regulatory requirements uh, that might be impacted because because of the pandemic. Um, you know, hopefully people understand that when there's people sick, that sometimes you're not going to get all the, the same level of support, uh, that you would normally get. Yeah, all these places are having like the municipal, on the municipal side of things, they're having a difficult time in the pandemic and, and they, so Trump hasn't signed the, the new stimulus slash 
disaster relief bill. And, uh, but it doesn't really matter to the state and local governments because there's no funding in there for them anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're all dipping in to, you know, their rainy day funds or whatever, just to try and keep things going for as long as they can. Or they're laying people off and providing less services, right? Like, yes. I think it's a little there's bit of everything. Yeah, there's some companies that are doing that too. And those are the ones that have um, offset their revenue losses, actually. There are a couple of waste and recycling companies that they're like, oh yeah, we're doing fine because we laid people off. Yay. <laughs> but I mean, even more reason to, you know, have the vaccine available to that industry so that they can continue their services that we need. The waste doesn't stop piling up, that's for sure. All right. Thank you very much, Kendra. No problem. Thank you. All right, so the, the next article that we're gonna discuss is uh, from US News which was posted on uh, December 23rd, 2020. And, you know, this was about a study that was done on the different types of masks that, uh, that people can wear and what their general like effectiveness is. And, you know, what the study shows is uh, it was a study done by New Mexico State University. And they looked at you know, for distances that are less than six feet, are there enough droplet particles to potentially cause like an illness uh, if it made it through, you know, the mass that you're wearing? So they looked at, you know, some of the commonly used masks. And what they did is they set up a, a machine to essentially mimic how a human would cough or sneeze. And they use a laser to essentially measure um you know in an airtight tube like how many particles are making it through the mass so they looked at five different masks they looked at a, a regular cloth mask uh, a two-layer cloth mask a wet two-layered cloth mask a surgical mask which you know I, I think most people are uh wearing these days and and n95 and the good thing is that you know each of the mask caught the majority of the of the droplets in the study uh you know they all showed about like a 97 percent uh effective rate however the the n95 statistically showed you know a, a rate of catching about a hundred percent of the particles now you know if somebody was a skis there's the potential that 200 million virus particles can be emitted from that single sneeze. So, you know, even, even if the mask is protecting you from 97% of the droplets, there's still 3% of 200 million particles that, you know, you can be exposed to due to like the less effective mass, right? So really what, you know, they're trying to say is masks are good um but you you can't put your eggs all in one basket and you need to you know put don a mask right like wear it appropriately and um make sure that you're keeping you know social distance right so 
you know, you're trying to limit exposure to other people in the area. Um, you know, hand washing, you know, you're following all the CDC guidelines because you can't just count on the mask to keep you safe. I wonder like, so when they said cloth, oh, so you said different layers of cloth. So, and again, like <clears throat> now that we're in this pandemic, we're talking about as a, as a occupational safety professional, you're thinking more about how do I wear a mask to protect myself? Whereas in the pandemic, the, the message is wear a mask because in case you're asymptomatic or maybe symptomatic that you're not going to spread your particles to other people if you happen to be around them. And um, and so this sounds like it's more like protecting yourself type of a thing, like wearing a mask to protect yourself. Um, well, so yes and no, right? And I think it depends on how you interpret it, right? So if you look at it as um, the mask filtering out 97, let's say, you know, it's a cloth mask, you're, you're donning a cloth mask, you're reducing the amount of virus particles that you were emitting into the air by 97%. Right? So it, it's, it's less, I mean, it is, it is about, you know, trying to protect yourself, but more of that effort is being made by reducing the potential for the, you know, the amount of virus particles in the air for everybody to breathe. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I think that it's a little bit unclear to me the differences between wearing a mask and blowing something through it versus wearing a mask and inhaling something through it. Because I think the force is going to be different. And I don't, I haven't seen something that tests the difference between those two things, although they, maybe they're similar. I think that the filter material itself is easy to test. So the, the NIOSH website, and we'll post a link to it, has a list of all the different, not all, many different masks that you can order. So if you are somebody who's been worried about the type of mask you get and you're online looking for an N95 and you can't find one, publicly available, then maybe you've bought a KN95 like we have and like a lot of other people have. And the KN95, for those who aren't aware, is the Chinese version of the N95. So it's um, supposedly, according to, the, to China, that it's supposed to filter out as, as effectively as, the, as an N95. And on the NIOSH website, they have a list of all the different masks that they've tested and the filtering efficiency uh, of each one. So you can go in there and we bought these ones, the Palcom, and you can look them up. So we'll post it on there. Um, and there'll probably be a picture right here showing what it looks like. <laughs> but you can, t the way that they test these filters out is they, they take the mask, they flatten it onto a board, and then they, they, they glue it. So, you know, this isn't like real life testing. And then they test the efficiency of the filter itself. And so the efficiency of these particular ones that I just showed you is very high. It's like 99 point something percent, which is great. The problem I have with it is that it does not feel like it's fit, fitted to my face very well. And so I, I think you can find a a respirator that has a good filter on it and uh, maybe that's not the difficult part i think the difficult part especially for folks that aren't trained 
to fit test themselves or to fit a mask to their face properly is to make sure that they're not going to have leakage around their mask. Um, yeah, and that was that was the main thing about this study. It wasn't intended to address like you know how the mask was fitting, right? So I know, as you said, like there's that that NIOSH study, and you know I think that's an excellent reference. Like if you're looking to purchase, you know, some some type of mask because there's a lot of information there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can have a mask that effectively filters out, you know, 100% of the the particles. But if the thing doesn't fit to your face, you know, it's it's worthless, right? So it might as well right, be zero less at that point. Yeah. Um. And in, in in that same article, they did bring up the concern about uh you know with the with how difficult it's been to get uh n95s in the u.s and it may be easier to get some of the the chinese can 95s you know albeit they're a little less effective you know they're still better than a cloth mask but there is the opportunity for like counterfeiting and they have found you know they, they have found masks that are marketed, you know, as these high efficiency can 95s, but they're less efficient than, you know, like some of the cloth masks out there. Right. So I think, you know, some of those were like 99% effective. And then some of these knockoffs were like 35% effective. So, you know, you need to do your research and just not buy something that you think is going to be or making your own masks. I mean, that those are normally the cloth masks, but I remember someone uh, that was making their own and they, they didn't want to wear a mask. They're kind of like, uh, okay, well, I don't wanna wear one that they give me at work, so I'm gonna make my own. And she took a like really thin scarf-like fabric that is still breathable. And I was like, that defeats the whole purpose of wearing a mask. Like, I, I wonder if they test them, like when you go into work, you know, because if you want to be really effective and you want to prevent the spread of it, there's, I don't know, I feel like there should be some sort of test. Standard? Test, like yeah, a standard. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, I don't know. It's just for the better of everyone else. You know, if they're wearing a standard mask. As I mean, yeah, NIOSH is... You know, not, so NIOSH is essentially like a division of the CDC, and they are in the process of writing a like a standard, a means in which you know they can gauge the measure the effectiveness of some of these you know cloth masks, the two layer masks, you know the surgical masks, you know more, uh, and and have you know labeling on the stuff so consumers can be informed as to you know, what the mask is going to protect them from, which I think is, you know, a huge part of it is to like inform, uh, you know, the consumer and the users of what they're actually getting and what they can expect. The type of mask I really want, I saw this super stylish mask. It was like all leather. With a zipper? With no... <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 you already have one of those, right? It's got the zipper. Well, I need more than one. I mean, I got, mm -hmm. I got to stay current. Right. 
Yeah, the it like no, yeah, you can't even breathe through it. That's probably the best. It goes it goes with your uh your Brazilian speedo, Richard. <laughs> you wear that mask, put the speedo on, and you go out there and everybody stays well uh, more social distancing takes you. care of the problem yeah, at it that takes point. care of itself definitely socially distanced there's different different ways of, of achieving the same goal for sure yeah so um yeah that niosh uh article is you know will, will be linked on the website it's an uh, you know i think a excellent article if you're looking to uh you know get like a face mask and then, you know, just to reiterate, you know, according to the American Institute of Physics, wearing a mask will offer substantial but not complete protection to a susceptible person by decreasing the number of foreign airborne sneeze and cough droplets that would otherwise enter the person without the mask. But you have to put consideration you gotta you gotta make considerations to, to minimize and avoid face-to-face -face, like human interactions because a mask on its own is not going to protect you nothing's 100 percent. just like our uh, osha tip from last week so just to recap we uh we just went through our osha covid tips of the past week some of which included Emergency generator tips, which seem to be more winter related, but still relevant if you're a safety person. We also discussed, Kendra uh, discussed the coronavirus disruption of the waste industry and recycling industry. And we had a nice little discussion about how all the different companies and businesses are affected. And we finished off the article discussions with a US news uh, article about the importance of social distancing and wearing a mask to help prevent the spread and all the different types of masks that you can get and the different efficiencies of them um, because all masks are not created equal. So uh, again, please visit, the, visit our website. You can check all the articles we discussed and read them in, in depth. Uh, respond to our videos, give us comments, more questions, fact check us if we said something wrong, we'd love to know about it. And we hope you have a happy, happy, safe holiday. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Like and subscribe. Thirty-six minutes exactly. That's perfect. Good job. And that's with the, that's soup to nuts. Is that soup a to nuts. It is. Nuts. Huh. I don't know what it means, but that is a thing. Okay. Soup to nuts. Covering every detail or part or something. You just Google it? <laughs> I did. Well, we know what it means. Why does it say soup to nuts? That's what we so want. So where do the expression come from? The term soup to nuts comes from the full course dinner served during the 1800s, which typically started with soup course and ended with port served with nuts. See, that makes so it's sense. The full course. I understand now. Okay, cool. Somehow include that. That was, I like that.